and welcome to another episode of Fool's Daily. I'm still here. I'm still joined by Matt. Uh, I'm still here. Australia are still playing England, although Steve Smith has just got himself out. Mwahahaha. Not as mwahahaha as when Dave Warner got out. No, that was like mwahahaha. Couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. Yeah, absolutely. Sunnyville. What? Who? <laughs> Him and Falau could go and be friends together. Oh, yeah. What a despicable man that person is. <sighs> um, so, uh, our ongoing series, talking about uh, Games Workshop, big box games. Um, today, we're going to talk about one that hasn't been released, but often gets asked about. Uh, yes. And today, we are going to venture into the ruined city of Mordheim. Indeed. Again, Which I can came see it on first? myself. <laughs> Which came first? Necromunda or All right, without, um, Mordheim? Without looking, without looking out, I'm going to say Necromunda. But I will now look it up because I'm pretty sure Mordheim came out afterwards. Yeah, Mordheim came out in 1999. Okie dokie. Because that's, they certainly that, share yes. a um, skeleton, I they guess, do. for want a better term. But that's right. I remember now reading it, just checking that, it reminds me. Um, because Mordheim is designed by Alessio and Thomas Pyrrhonim. Oh, okay. Who came in... That I did not know. Who came into the studio around that time. So, this will be very confusing to people. There was once a time before the internet... And, what? And when Games, when Games Workshop... Um, when the internet came around, uh, we all connected to it via little modems that used to make modemy noises. They used to go... Beep, beep, beep. Um, and connect and used to connect very very slowly. Yes. Even slower Watching than porn was almost impossible back those days. Yes. Even slower than Hillfoot Broadband. <laughs> oh, I've got fibre in the new place. Can't wait. I've got fibre here. Yeah, but I don't. <laughs> so, Matt's moving house, by the way. Yes. To a place with central. At the heating. end of this week. It's got heating and electric and broadband and stuff. Well, you've got electric where you are now. But yes, that's true. But it's like civilised electric. Well, you don't have to put coins in the meter. it makes dishwasher go. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> we could just do a whole episode on Matt's domestic situation. <laughs> Nobody wants to know about that. Um, we do enough comedy episodes as it is. That's true. I've refused to help Matt move. No, you are helping me move. What, by supervising? No, you're going to carry a sofa and a workbench. I've told you that I'm not carrying anything. You are carrying a sofa and a workbench. So it's the only two big things I need help with. See, I'm, that's why I asked if you're free on Monday and Tuesday. That's why I kindly offered to drive to Ikea as a sweetener for you helping me <laughs> carry. As the bit that you're dropping on me sofa. now, after me saying yes. that I'm not going to carry anything. Yes, exactly that. One sofa and my hobby bench. That's all you need to carry. 
everything else I'll do. I'll even carry the double mattresses myself because, frankly, I don't need to hear you moaning like a bitch. But I need you to carry one end of the brown sofa from the pavement to the living room. It's less than carrying the sofa from your conservatory to the living room like I did for you not long ago. So I don't have to go down the stairs of death? No, no stairs. Oh, no, you've got to carry it down the stairs. Right, I'm sorry, about so the therefore other I have to carry it twice? Yes, once in the van and once out of the van. And they're not stairs of death, they're fixed now. They're still stairs of death. Anyway, stop moaning, get carrying. don't think I'll be going to Ikea then. Of course you will. Pick out your own coffin. Yeah, because I'll have died on the stairs of death. It's not, they're not stairs of death. What they're are we be, talking about anyway? Classic. Uh, oh, internet. More time. Internet. No, internet. The internet. Yeah, so yes. the internet was very, very slow. So, um, Games Workshop were even slower than the internet then at getting into the internet game. Um, in 95, 96, all there basically was was some FAQs that Jervis would answer and again if you know your games or history this is where the pointless question came from because if someone someone would ask a question if jervis thought it was a stupid question he wouldn't even back in those days he wouldn't even try and answer it nowadays of course you would you would go oh yes implicate the ego back then jervis would just label it as a pointless question (laughs) yeah so um conrad and i uh were heavily involved in the internet scene then because we worked for computer companies and we had I had a 64k line in my office um, and so Conrad built a website and I built a website and my website was called the University of Altdorf and it was the first um, it was basically the first games workshop website uh, for fantasy battle not for 40k there were other ones for 40k and Thomas Piranin had written a series of articles about how to get the best out of each individual army. And it was the, sort of the first time that it was that cross-pollination of um, gaming cultures had occurred. And this what, was computer before... geeks and gaming geeks? Yeah, well, no, no, no. Gaming geeks from different countries. Ah, oh, right. Um, so the Finns, for example, played Warhammer very very differently from how i played it i don't know about well i do know about other gaming groups because um at the same time the warhammer player society came into existence and for the first time gaming groups played against each other and this was um a guy called rob broom who went on to run warhammer historical he did um, indeed yes and now runs a company called scarab miniatures uh Mm -hmm. he he set up the warhammer player society and there were Warhammer Player Society tournaments where gaming groups, for the first time, met. So people like um, Rob, who run um, Mercy Miniatures, for example, first time I met him was at a Warhammer Player Society event because his group from Sheffield came down and I went up with Ginger Dave and we went and we mm-hmm. played at the groups. And there was the Birmingham Troll Slayers and that was a, you know... And they all played very, very differently. Um I remember coming away from... Yeah, because I guess there was, no, there was no national meta at that point. There was no national meta. There was no communication. Yeah. You know, the first time that you met someone and you saw how they played, was that you'd never heard... You know, there was no net listing. Uh, 
Mm -hmm. And Thomas had written a series of articles um, that were published on various bulletin boards and then were reprinted on various websites um, about how to get the best out of certain armies. What you what you take. Oh, interestingly, I wonder if it's I wonder if it still works. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just look up something now. If you search for Mike Marshall, oh God, he's googling himself. And Bretonian. <laughs> it is. If you search for Mike Marshall and Bretonian, the first the first article that comes up is a tactics article that I wrote. Must be in 1995, 96, um, about the Bretonian army book that was there at the time. And the format is based on, well, I mean, it's exactly the same as the articles that Thomas wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened is Thomas got, Thomas became relatively well known in that circle and ended up going to work for Games Workshop. And he bought a more, I want to say hard edged, but not in a bad way. Mm. He bought a more, a less competitive. Competitive is competitive is a better word. Um, set to it. So when um, Warhammer Sixth Edition came out, that was really the first one that he was heavily involved with. And he and Alessio came with him, uh, joined at the same time, and he came from the Italian gaming scene and was again very much. They were f- a far more competitive gaming scene than the UK had been. I remember right tournaments at the time. Everyone thought, "Ah, it's a British game. We'll walk it," and then. You know, um, there was this guy called Bill Edwards who came over from the states to play in the in the thing, and they he just walked the tournaments. No. Um, and now, so, because of those people, we're facing Brexit. Yeah. No. No, we're not. Oh, okay. But so Mordheim was was came out of those right. more competitive mindset that had sort of taken over. Games Workshop at the time, compared with the sort of the more fluffy bunny approach of the Rick Priestleys of this world. Yes. Who, you know, with Rick, everything can be solved with a bacon sandwich. Yeah. And, you know, back Pot then we tea. had fun fun names like Lion, Lion L. Johnson and those kind of things. Yes. Um, with Mordheim, you got a, a more competitive, competitive set. So, I, where, was I, where I was going with this was that Mordheim is based on Necromunda, but it's Necromunda with a more rigid, competitive-type framework. Yeah. Um, so it's basically a gang-based skirmish game set in the city of Mordheim 500 years before the current imperial year was at the time of Warhammer. A giant meteor of uh, Warpstone has plunged into um, Mordheim and... All the gangs are out to get warpstone shards because there's um, money in that their warpstone. Yeah, and you can see, you know, Moonstone, for example, that's mm-hmm. excellent little game from Moonstone Games. Um, the object in that game is to collect. You're, you know, you're doing a gang. You're, you're um, using name specific name characters in that, but you're collecting moonstone shards, which are basically warpstone shards. Yeah. Um, so it's a collect, it's a collect the game, but it's also kill your opponent. And yeah. um, it came with some lovely plastics. Uh, yes, plastic Skaven gutter runner set was gorgeous. I was a big um, fan of the Sisters of Sigmar. I thought they were a great set that came later. The metal yeah, sets that came the later. The human, the human, and the human plastics that are in it as well. Um, 
making sort of imperial mercenary types. If you mm-hmm. if you look at say the um, some of the Frostgrave plastic sets that are yeah. out at the moment, um, they draw. You know, there's a direct line that you can draw in design between the two. Yes, um, absolutely. And again, that's another similar kind of set in a city type. Yes, fantasy. Yeah, and see skirmish game that that owes a lot to more time. Yes. Well, you can make a very strong argument that most fantasy skirmish games that are using a campaign-based system can draw, you know, owe Mordheim a big debt. Yeah. Um, The terrain was brilliant. It was sort of um, half-timbered houses with the sort of plastic bits to join card bits together to make these half-timbered houses with various floors and things. It just looked mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, yeah. Really good art. And um, certainly, as I say, the, the models that came out in the gangs that sort of came out as the game progressed um, were some of the nicer models of that time, I think, because they were not rank and file. You, you know, even in a gang of a dozen or so, they were all individual sculpts. Yeah, and some of them were worth an absolute fortune. Um, yeah, they pr- they produced a coach model that mm. you know sells for over 120 quid on eBay. Yeah, um, I would really, really like to get hold of some of the Sisters of Sigma, but I'm not prepared to pay the prices that they go for on eBay. Yeah, I'd really like a unit of ten of them for your Eight. kind of yeah. your witch hunter planned kind of game, yeah. uh, army. But I'm not prepared to pay that sort of money. No. Um, especially when the mould still exists, so they could just remake them. <laughs> so it was great. Um, very much a still uh, I go, I do all my men, you do all your men type thing, mm-hmm. if I remember rightly. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure it is. Uh, because you could, take out yes, an imp- you, could take out, you could take out an opponent's entire side. Yeah. Um, had major balance problems. Oh, massive. Uh, I was going to say, and for me, in the end, suffered the same fate as Necromunda, that, you know, the gangs became, I I mean, they were unbalanced to start with, but then as you progressed the gangs, uh, you had no hope in hell. Even a gang that had played maybe one or two games and your gang was fresh, you had no hope in hell of being able to compete against them. Yeah, Staven were woefully overpowered. I mean, off the charts, overpowered. And certainly for, for me, that was the end. I mean, I was a massive Skaven player, but I didn't want to play a game where by putting them on the table, people were going, oh, you're playing them. Yeah, the negative play experience that we've spoken about many times yes. before. And so I I stopped playing it. And it was 99. I was um, uh, moving away. Yeah. So it was it was one of those things, but yeah, it was. It's one I played a couple of games with, but could already see that it was. I wouldn't say inherently broken, but very quickly became something that was more of a chore to play than it should have been. So I just stopped playing it. Um, I've never played the computer game. No, me neither. But it is supposed to be pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, it suffered the same specialist game faults that we talked about in earlier episodes uh, that it went into 
support and then living rule books, etc. Yeah. Um, and then sort of towards, kind of the, towards the end of the uh, end of the noughties, all the models disappeared, and I re- yeah. I really regret not buying some of them and having them still. Yeah, they do make silly money on eBay. You do still occasionally see kind of boxed, some of the box gangs and stuff going. Um, but for what was probably a 30 quid purchase at the time, you know, it's triple figures now. Which, as you say, considering the moulds are still there, um, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah. And we know the moulds are still there because for Blood Bowl, they still do um, the cast on demand stuff occasionally. Yeah. Um, I wish they would do that. Um, again, there's still an, there's still an online scene for it. There's various different settings. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, I've not played it, but apparently there's something called Coreheim, which All right. which um, streamlines the rule set and things. Yeah, and, and from a Warhammer point of view, much like there's been uh, Kill Team and various iterations of the low model count game, there have also been those in Warhammer and subsequently Age of Sigmar with kind of Path to Glory and things like that. And interestingly, we've still got the new Warcry game to come from Games Workshop, which looks... Yeah, we Which do. Looks like it could, you know, potentially a spiritual successor to Mordheim, but it is kind of small well, gangs. Well, you, you could also argue, you could also argue that um, Shade Sparrows a lot to it. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Um, that idea, that, you know, that idea of the small model count. I suppose Shade Sparrow is more of a board game than a, a yeah, tabletop game. Uh, to me, Shade Sparrow is a, a board and card game with models as counters, but. Um, but certainly uh, Warcry that is coming at some point looks, you know, thematic gangs and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see how that one picks up and develops a following, should it develop a following. Um, but the sculpts are lovely. So who knows? Yeah, those, perhaps cr- there those, will cr- be a, those crow guys are great. Yeah. Perhaps there will be some sort of resurgence in a son of son of Mordheim. Well, there's definitely, I think, a market for a campaign-based fantasy game. Yeah. Because... Um, Frostgrave, I mean, it has, it still has a big following, but I mean, for us, didn't really scratch that itch. No, um, but it, there there about, other... it's about to have a second edition. Yeah, I'm fairly confident it's still not going to scratch that itch. Well, no, it um, won't. and you've got, um, you know, various other games. Um, as you say, you mentioned sort of previously, Burrows and Badges, albeit with the Anthropology. With animals, yeah, with animals instead of people, um, is a fantasy skirmish campaign game type thing, which at the moment is probably the best one that we play of that ilk. Yeah. So I, I you agree. know, so we'll have to see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. No. But um, uh, yeah, I haven't pl- I haven't played Mordheim for probably twenty years. Yeah. No, 19 years, because it came out in 1999. Yes, um, and I've I've probably not played it for a similar length of time. I played it when it first came out for a bit, and it very quickly went into the uh, not-really-enjoying-it pile. Yeah, though my box has been across the Atlantic and back, so... 
is that also on the shelf of shame still? It is on the shelf of shame. The shelf of shame, as looking at it, um, Necromunda, Mordheim, Man of War, Blood Bowl, uh, and Warhammer Quest, which we're not going to talk about. No. <laughs> um, because the game that we're going to talk about next episode, um, I have so many boxes for that. It has its own separate big plastic container to hold them all. <laughs> yes. So, uh, until then, uh, I have been Mike. Um, Australia, all finished, 285 for 7. I've been Matt. <sighs> Don't know if we can chase it down. Um, and we'll speak to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. You can contact the Fools Daily on Twitter, we're at Fools Underbar Daily, or via email, foolsdaily at outlook.com. <laughs>